Hi, everyone. Welcome to season two of the Becoming Unassailable podcast. This podcast is all about helping leaders build highly functional, collaborative, and aligned teams. Because when your team is functional, collaborative, and aligned, the entire organization becomes unassailable. In this episode, my guest is Chris Ann Hodges. Chris Ann is the Deputy Commissioner and General Counsel for the Tennessee Department of Human Services. And during our conversation, I'll just say that Chris Ann simply shared her journey of learning the highs and lows, ins and outs of building a great team. A couple of announcements before we get to the interview. First, I have a gift for listening to this podcast uh, which is free chapters of my book. You can go to my website, markskenny.com forward slash gift. Second, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with someone else. And thank you for listening. Let's get to the conversation. Chris Ann, welcome. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You are welcome. And I'm going to start off with this this question, and actually, I just told you what the question was going to be, and I'm going to switch it on you. Could, could you just take just just a just a few seconds and describe your team? Like, what is the team that you lead to give people sure. a little context? Sure. Well, I lead the Office of General Counsel at the Tennessee Department of Human Services, um, and so um, that team is growing. But I'm going to focus on that team because that's the one that I've spent the most effort on. And, and that's where I started at DHS. So um, while I've got some teams, that, new teams that have branched off, I want to talk about the Office of General Counsel. Um, it's an office of 32 employees, and the majority of which are attorneys of varying levels of experience. We have legal assistants. Um, I also have uh, the Office of Records Management, uh, non-attorneys, but records professionals are in our office as well. So that's the makeup of the team. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to kind of highlight them as opposed to the other teams that I that I supervise is because managing attorneys is a different thing. <laughs> uh, but lots of commonalities with any any professional team. But um, some of the lessons I've learned along the way uh, are hard one because of the, the nature of the teams I've supervised over the years. Got it. So let's jump right into it. What has been the biggest factor in your success? in building a team? Well, I, I thought about this a lot. Um, and so you're probably not going to appreciate my answer, um, but experience. And from experience, I have offshoots of lots of things. Um, the success in building a team comes from the experience of um, learning how to communicate well with others, learning what my role is in leading a team, um, as opposed to being a new manager, which is where a lot of that hard one experience comes from, um, learning what how to, how to be clear and direct and how to give direction in a way that you have a team that wants to sort of follow where the business or the, the, the project or whatever it is that you're working on will go. So the, the biggest factor, I think, oh, let me add one more, is, is hiring really good people. Don't, uh, don't shortcut the that process in getting people on board. And I know people have different sort of varying business needs at the moment. Um, we certainly have teams within DHS where um, just by the nature of the type of job, vacancies are, are high and there's a, a pretty good churn rate there. Um, but if we can slow down and take a moment to, to really be thoughtful and deliberate about who we're bringing on, I think we have a better t- 
chance at retention. So all of that wrapped up into the big old experience bow, Mark, um, which is to say I, I get better at it as I get older and more practiced at it. So be patient and and try to look around and learn from others who are doing well around you and appreciate that as the years go by, it's just going to get better and better. I love that answer, actually. And I'd like to dig in just a couple things, Chrisanne. One is, it sounded like like I have a role to lead the lead the team, and that role changes a little bit based on like like if I'm a, a supervisor over a team versus like what you're doing leading a, a yeah. broader group. That's a different role, is what I'm hearing you say. It's very different, and which is why I feel like I'm still new at this. Although experience is my answer to this question, um, this the the position I'm in now um, as a deputy commissioner general counsel is the is the not the first leadership role I've had, but it's the first predominantly leadership role I had. I think as in most businesses and most professional settings, um, managers, supervisors are usually promoted up a career ladder because they're excellent at doing the work. Um, you know, not all the time, but, but generally you've got somebody out there who's got a little ambition, wants to climb the career ladder, is good at the job, and they sort of advance as things progress. That's how it happened for me. Um, and I can remember vividly the difference between moving from sort of that just first level line supervisor role to a more mid-level manager role to kind of what I'm doing now. And the differences in those three things to get to your question are, um, are really important to maybe learn before I did, <laughs> um, you're as a maybe a lower down the line sort of supervisor. Usually you don't have the luxury to sit back and think about management techniques and leaderships. You should. You should try to do that. But you're really in the work. And the same thing for the mid-level manager. And you're trying to keep the trains running on time. And you're usually not having, you know, it, it, it is a lot. It is a lot. And so you're trying to figure out how to make the work go well because you're responsible for that, but also lead the people that you supervise. And I think when you're, and as you build that experience, you kind of learn that doing this, it's not about you. <laughs> and, and that doesn't become clear until you can get a little experience and distance from it. I guess where I'm going with this is that I remember with some embarrassment, some of my original management positions way back in the day, I was so excited. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to progress in my career and I wanted to, I thought I'd be a good manager. And it seemed like, you know, the, the elevation was certainly a boost to my ego and all of that. Um, but as I look back, I realized how much I made that about me and about what I was there to do. And, and, you know, just little things like way too much micromanagement, way too much just trying to to drive the car, you know, with clenched fists when when you don't learn until a little later on that you need to delegate more than just tasks. You need to delegate authority because then you're going to start building that team and you see the value of it. I don't know there's a way to do that right off the bat, though. I think you have to get in there. You have to start. You have to learn. And then as you get some distance from it in time and in career progression, you kind of realize, oh, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> um, this is where I should devote my attention and not so much on, you know, 
time keeping and, and, and certainly you, we care about productivity, but you don't have to, you don't need your magnifying glass looking at that to be a good manager and certainly not to be a leader. I do think there's a little separation in those two things. And that has happened throughout my career as well. So now so, it's, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I was going to say, so, so we say it's almost more like I'm, like I'm serving the, the teams. Absolutely. Making sure they have what they need, making sure they're clear yeah. on the direction and so forth. Yeah, that's good. Um, so there's one other thing you said there, hiring really good people. So there's two ways you could take that. So I'm, so I'm curious, like, is it like really good at their jobs of being attorneys, really good team players? Like we really want people that fit the culture, both? How, how would you, how, how do you hire great people? Well, definitely both if you can get it. Um, but I would probably lean more towards somebody who's going to be a really good team player who exhibits um, an eagerness to to join the team and wants mm -hmm. with a passion towards making it a career. Um, uh, I hate to use the, the tired phrase work ethic because it's really not about, you know, punching in on time and punching out on time. It's more like a mission ethic. Or somebody who's really kind of wants to to go in that direction and is excited about doing it, because I, I can teach you most everything else. Mm. Um, now, if you come with that experience, that's even better. But um, but no one comes completely prepared. Um, I I think that, and I know I guess depending on the situation, you have different abilities to do this. But I, I would say, don't just get somebody in the chair to get somebody in the chair. Even if you're, the rest of your team has to be, you know, has to cover a little bit longer for a vacancy, wait it out. Wait it out till you get the right person or, or, or you just have a tipping point and you just need somebody. But I think that um, over time, I've learned how to look for the right things. And that's, that's again, going back to just experience. Um, that's a skill that if you can foster that and try to put some attention on that early in your management or supervisory career. Um, boy, does your life get easier. And I don't say this so that you can, you know, phone it in. It's just that when you get those right people in the job, kind of like the situation I feel like with OGC right now, um, it just does its own thing. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you have then the, the, the grace and the opportunity to do all sorts of things with that team, because you're not trying to worry around the basics. Um, and that's, that's a very lucky situation to find yourself in, but if you can get it predominantly there, then, um, it, it really is now that's a team that can do something. That's a team that can work well. That's a team for which you'll have great retention. Um, that's a team that when they do leave and have their own career progression, they're going to take with them the knowledge and the, the pride of working for my team elsewhere. And, I, I will tell you, particularly in state government in Tennessee, it's not insular exactly, but we know who we are. Um, I know who the other agencies are, and I'm not too embarrassed. <laughs> I would be if I were face to face with the other general counsels, but I'm not too embarrassed to say that when I have a vacancy, I have applications um, from people who I know are going to bring like some state government experience with them, some experience in another office of general counsel, because we're sort of I like to think we're sort of known as one of the really good OGCs in state government. So um, in that respect, it once you kind of get that ball, ball rolling downhill, 
it gains momentum. And, and that's, that to me is a, a prime goal is to make it as, as effortless as you can to, to do that. I don't know, um, interviewing, selecting process. So, so for instance, if I have a vacancy and we just did, um, it was going to be a hard to fill position because it was it was a contracts position. And there's not a lot of people out there that have state government contracts positions, even within state government. That's really hard to find. Um, just to circle back to your original question, too. Uh, so I already have somebody on my team who is phenomenal. He's the smartest lawyer I've ever met. Um, I tell them all the time when I grow up, I want to be you. Um, and he had he worked with somebody else in the federal system. And he said, you know, he doesn't have contracts experience, but if you think I'm smart, you should see this guy. And we're like, you know, call him in. So not only do I have a good resource for somebody who's proud of his team and would reach out to somebody he worked with before to try to, you know, prompt him to come talk to us about it. Um, I have somebody who knows what I'm looking for on the team already, who knows what it would take. And, and I have a very personal reference right then for somebody I'm about to, to interview. And sure enough, uh, he doesn't know anything about contracts. I can teach him contracts. Um, what I'm hoping I have and what I think I have, though, is now a duplicate of somebody who I already really enjoy having on the team. So that's that's when I say, of course, that sounds like, of course, everybody wants that. Um, but that only started because we hired the first guy. <laughs> we hired the first guy after really checking references and, and figuring out, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a good fit for the team. So it's just a domino effect. Yeah, I think you used the word lucky earlier, but really it sounds to me like it's intentional. Like we want to hire good people that are team players. We can teach them the skill. Obviously they have to have skills, but we can teach them some of the skills later. But if we have a team full of team players that really fit the culture, then everything becomes yeah. easier because the wrong person, conversely, that, that creates a lot of energy and, and negativity that's hard to, hard to get over so well, I yeah i love uh, yeah if you're focusing if your team also knows what you're trying to get at and they buy in and they want to mm -hmm. take ownership about remaining a good team then you will you you will have an easier time finding people to fill those vacancies um mm -hmm. I, I think that you're you're trying to i'm trying to build 32 cheerleaders who want good people to join the team as opposed to just me trying to put up a job posting and go try to find somebody and divine through the crystal ball at the interview, whether they're going to be the right person. Um, as much background as I can do on that, I think saves a lot of time. So love it. Um, I knew this was going to be a great conversation, Christian, because <laughs> well, you have great I, I people. Have, so I always have a great conversation with you. <laughs> um, so we're talking about building a team like the ins and outs week in, week out, month in, month out. What is a key practice or tactic that you keep coming back to to keep on building the team? Well, it's one that I, I kind of work on and that I can I can recognize that maybe I didn't do well in earlier years. And it's, it is just simply good communication for whatever you're trying to do in the moment. It may be um, all the way from constructive criticism to very... Um, you know, cheerleading, if I can use that word, about how, how well we're doing and how we're meeting our, our purpose. And all of those have to be intentional. And um, I'm a little introverted. And I don't, you know, I too like to go in my office, sit down, do my daily work and go home. I mean, you know, 
I like that. I like having a quiet day where I can, you know, just kind of get through and feel a sense of accomplishment. But this, and you mentioned it earlier, you have to learn that you're actually there to serve that team. And so um, I have to make intentional plans to, to just stop by and chat with somebody to, to, you know, be sure that I'm clear and direct and giving positive reinforcement. Um, not, not, artificial um, positive reinforcement. Um, it, you know, we're Southern, we're nice to each other, but uh, it, it's it not, not something artificial, but, but something that's very much um, recognizing that they are meeting the challenge and, and kind of buttressing that feeling so that we can kind of maintain this idea that we work really well together, we can solve problems, we can do it together. And you have to do that by just um, making sure they know that. And so, um, and again, that's not, I like, I like everybody and I like to chat with people, but I have my days too, where I'm not, you know, I'm not as intentional about it as I should be. So I know that's one thing that I think um, I work on and that is, is, is really important kind of for the maintenance. And, and frankly, as I'm, I often reflect as an employee, what do I want? Um, and I know as an employee, I remember telling an, a boss that I had once, she, she and I got along really, really well, but we were just in our silos doing our work. And at some point I'd done something and I was very proud of it. And she said, okay, great. And just kind of moved on. And I, I said, I need some affirmation. <laughs> and, and, and she, of course, she was just in her own headspace doing her own thing. And I, I always laugh at myself for that because I just had to call it out and say, you've got to tell me I'm good at this. You've got to tell me uh, because I, I, I need that just to, to give me a little bump so that I can keep going. Um, and I, I just kind of think people need that. Um, they also need, I have a reverse story of that. They also need and we'll welcome you being clear and direct about what problems they have as well. Um, mm -hmm. One of my biggest lessons, uh, failures probably in prior positions of management was when, and again, I was I know what it was. I was making it all about me. Um, I was uncomfortable dealing with some personality conflicts and uh, uh, among the team. And uh, really, I let it fester far too long. But just like you need to give someone some affirmation once in a while so they feel like they're not doing it for nothing and that they are good at it and that they can then take enjoyment out of it. When it's not going well, you, you owe it to the person to tell them. And that's a kindness. That's not um, you don't need to be anxious about it. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to be, of course, be be professional and and. Um, you know, don't don't get too emotional in the way you do it or, or don't get hyperbolic about it or snarky about it. That's what everybody does, Mark. They wait till they're just had it up to here mm -hmm. and then they're in a place of dealing with it where and, and emotion has kind of taken the tide away. Yeah. Um, but it's better if you kind of just deal with it very in a straightforward manner early on. That's also, though, about that communication. Well, that's not quite how, you know, I think we should produce this or. You know, I'm I'm disappointed in the final product here, but here's X, Y, and Z. We can, you know, maybe move it this direction. I don't think it'll be well received if you do it like this. Just stuff like that along the way, so that it's not um, an avalanche of emotion or negative negativity 
but it's some kind of direction. I wasn't good at that. I wanted to go around and do the fun stuff, the positive yeah. stuff. You're doing great. This is fine. And it, when it wasn't, and because, and that was why I say it was about me, because I just didn't want to deliver the bad news. I, I wanted everybody happy and glad to be there. And of course, I still want that, but they need to be good at their jobs. And it's my job to get them there too. So yeah. And you want people to like you probably, at least that's oh, what, absolutely. my experience. Absolutely. I care less about that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm hearing is, what I'm hearing you say is like, it's, I would rather, cause I can relate to this, like just sit and do my work, but I'm the leader in recognizing that really there's nobody else that can do this. I need to go out and be a really good communicator, both affirmation and reinforcement or, or feedback, even if that's negative, because that's really, that's how I serve the team. I have to do that to serve the team. So I have to be real intentional, even if I don't feel like doing it. Right. And that's not what they hired me to do. They didn't hire me to sit and to just work cases and things like that. I mean, yeah. if I want to do that, then I can do that, but that's not, then who's going to do what I'm supposed to be doing. So. Right. Right. Love that. Um, I'm curious thinking about the last three years, especially. So we're sitting here summer 2023. So with the pandemic and all that shift to, I know that the big shift to remote work, especially in some state government, has that affected your ability to build a team? Uh, no, but I'm going to use the word lucky again. Um, before the pandemic, my department had been making a very aggressive effort. This was before I got there, had made a very aggressive effort to start, uh, we call it AWS, Alternative Workplace Solutions. Mm -hmm. which remote work. Remote work. And um, and they we already had about 30% of the department on AWS when I arrived in April of 2019. Um, and of that 30%, all of the attorneys were on AWS already because the main um, person driving this effort was the person I replaced. So she'd already, most of the, the OGC team was already working remotely. Um, they, they did some hybrid, some flexible, but to be quite candid, that was very hit or miss um, because there was always a reason for someone not to be in the office. So um, you know, we have court this day, or I've got to go interview a witness this day. So having, trying to have, you know, secure days on the calendar where people were going to come in was a little hit or miss. So mm -hmm. when I arrived, I was, um, I was very negative on the whole thing, um, because I was new and I, I wanted to, to work with the team. I wanted to, you know, have that immersion in the day-to-day -day work. And I was not doing that in my prior job. So I was used to five days in the office to having everybody there, to those hallway conversations, to those many millions of different seconds throughout the day where you start to build relationships and teams. And yes. it's just easier because you're all there. So I had to adjust myself in 2019 to that because I wasn't going to, we weren't, again, not going to make it about me and what I felt like I needed. I needed to learn how this team operated. So mm -hmm. I had to take sort of the first year figuring out how to manage that situation because I wasn't really ready for it. So so fast forward to March of 2020, I'll never forget those days because, again, state government, we had some insight about, about what the administration was about to do or say or what news was going to come out. So we were like half a day ahead of the curve on what others might hear. Mm -hmm. So I, I will always remember sitting up in our strategy room in our commissioner's office and getting the word that the state was about to close down. And um and running down to my, my office space and telling the legal assistants, because they didn't have laptops, 
call IT, get laptops. <laughs> we're about to go home. <laughs> oh, right. And they were in the office every day. The lawyers were not having, I'm sorry, that's just a fun memory for me because I just, yeah. not a fun memory. COVID's not a fun memory, but remembering just sort of the, the, chaos of the moment. Um, so, and then the next day offices were closed, or at least we were, we were required to start working from home hundred percent, everybody. Mm-hmm. And we were ready because they'd already, the attorneys were already there. I had to get the legal assistance there. Um, but I say lucky because that's the first prong of why we were lucky. The second prong is, um, we just don't have a lot of turnover in OGC. When I do have vacancies, it's usually a new position. It's rarely, um, uh, uh, somebody leaving and bringing somebody in. It happens, but not often. So they were already a years long, strong team who were used to working on WebEx in teams with each other because we're mm-hmm. spreading across the state. So we, we fell right into it. And um, the best part of it was the education for me because by September of this year, of that year, I was realizing this works. We are probably more productive I don't have metrics around that, but I know the hours everybody was working. And it's just easier when when you're able to do some remote work. So I'm a complete convert now. And um, we do do hybrid. Uh, my boss wants me in the office a couple of days a week, which is great. Um, but I haven't made that strict of a requirement for my team. Um, we come in one day a week or we try to. It's a little hit or miss depending on who's in and who's out. Um, but we've been able to maintain it so far. Last thing I'll say on this is that we have had some feedback from a couple of our new employees who've acknowledged that it's harder to become part of the team remote working. So that may be something, a challenge that we've got to address a little bit more. Um, I I don't think it's, I don't think the solution is having all 32 people come into the office every day so a new team member can, can become immersed in the team. I think it's intentional things like the retreat where you attend, where you taught us um, some excellent material some some sort of planned interactions where we can do it and what you and I are doing right now. There's no way around it, but video, video chats, video meetings, that's the way to do it. Um, my only caveat to that is if it's just two people, I think pick up the phone. There's something a little bit more personal about doing the old school, just phone call, reach mm-hmm. out direct to somebody as opposed yeah. to the format that you have to do for meetings all the time now. Um, it's just a little, it, I know you're not seeing each other. It's just a little more personal to pick up that phone and just make a call that's not scheduled and just see if you can get a reach out to somebody. So it doesn't have to be on the calendar scheduled call to, right. to have the culture reaching out. So you know, I, I hear this, maybe not frequently, but semi-frequently, Chris Ann, like boy, we're really having a hard time. We're remote. So we're, we kind of feel disengaged. It's it's hard to really come together as a team. I think what you're saying is it's really not. You just have to be intentional about it. And it's a lot of the same things. Just we're building the team. We're building the same culture. We're just doing it remotely. Remote, it, it's just maybe a little harder or a little differently. But as long as we have a commitment to the same disciplines, it's going to work as long as I'm looking at it from the right perspective as a leader. Is that a fair summary of what you're saying? It's going to work, but I do acknowledge it's not the same. If I was having to join a new team myself right now, I, I think I would feel that frustration. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I use the word lucky. It's, it is, it's definitely harder if you're newer to, to your career. I can see, I can see why that's a little bit harder. Um, I just don't, I don't have a great answer for it other than just kind of do the best you can do and be prepared for the, the, um, yeah, the barriers that you're going to run into. We'll see because this new, this great new guy just told you that we hired. 
Um, we've got some planned interactions in the office for training purposes and things like that, but it will be primarily remote work because that's just where we are. Yep. Good. Last question. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've received from someone on building a team? You know, I, I still, the one, I'll tell you what kind of resonated with me because I'm not very good at it. And so I always kind of have it in my back pocket thinking for, is this one of those times? Do I need to use this advice right now? Um, is sometimes you need to let conflict unfold and not, and, and you know, and let, let conflict exist for a minute. And I'm very much a, we'll fix it. Everything's fine. Let's move on. You know, happy times again kind of person. Um, but I saw a very excellent leader. I was, when I first joined this team, I was in a, a, a different team meeting, not the Office of General Counsel. Um, and it was my commissioner, actually. And we had a meeting where there were some very definite differences of opinion. And it was between another supervisor and that supervisor's direct report. And they didn't hold back with each other. And I, I remember feeling so uncomfortable thinking, oh, the commissioner's going to stop this. This is inappropriate in this setting. And let me just say at the outset, they weren't being inappropriate. That's just how low my tolerance is for that. And, and I kept thinking, she's going to stop this. And she didn't. She sat back and she let them have the conversation. And again, they were respectful, but they were disagreeing. And, and that is something I kind of keep in the back pocket to make sure that I let that air out when it needs to and don't go to my natural inclination to gloss over it or try to make it better too quickly. Because I need to know, it too, I need to know where there's a genuine conflict. Those, the people, people need to be heard when they have a disagreement. And it is OK to have those kinds of professional disagreements. And um, but you need to see it in the open again, as a leader, so you can see what they're taking away from the conversation too, because you don't want any kind of toxicity to fester because you didn't put it out there on the table. So um, that's one of the best lessons simply because I don't have that one yet, Mark, I'm working on that one. So when I see it, to try to just let it happen and not, and not overreact to it and let people say what they need to say, be comfortable with it, and just not be so averse to, to that kind of I'm calling it conflict. This really was probably this the tiniest of little conflicts, but that's hard for me. So that's one thing that I that it's a piece of advice that's not that's something I keep around because I know I'm not great at it and I might have to employ it and I want to be ready to do it. The other stuff I kind of think I've got, but that's that's a piece. So maybe the advice, Mark, is find that thing you're not good at and never sort of let it get too far from you because you want to keep working on it so you can get better at it. That's really good. Yeah, really practical. I really like the conflict advice. Because oftentimes your team is better afterwards because of it, having gone through it instead of yeah. just glossing over it. Really practical. Lots of practical tips. Thank you for sharing your heart a little bit, Chrisanne, and, sure. and some of your experiences. I know my, our listeners will get a lot out of that. So thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. You are welcome. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Mark here. You know, there's some of you that are listening who may want to go deeper and have a conversation about strategies for your own team and organization. Well, go to markskenny.com slash call and schedule a 30-minute complimentary strategy session with me. We'll talk about some strategies for your team and organization, whether or not we each decide there's a next step or not. And please remember to subscribe, 
and share this podcast with someone else so we can get the word out about building healthy, functional, collaborative, and aligned teams. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time.